from heaven the father above has lovingly showered on me i feel overwhelmed and so undeserving to think of his goodness and wonderful mercy my heart fills with praise and i can't help but joyfully sing Yeah. 
It's not that this road has always been easy, but He's been faithful and He'll never leave me. I find sweet peace and assurance within His Word. My cup's overflowing, I'm living in favor, abundant provision from the hand of the Savior. I lift my voice and forever I'll praise His name. I have God When I look at the heavens and all your handiwork, I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I see what you created way back there at the first and say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Think of your mercy revealed to sinful man. I say, How excellent is your name in all the earth! How wonder what would cause you to put us in your plan. I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. When I survey my blessings, the strength of all my days, I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I give you all my worship, I give you all my praise, I say. How excellent is your name in all the earth.
guess we'll be looking for just a little while. Man, got a good crowd here on a Sunday morning. And again, I appreciate you being here. Again, it's good to have Ruby and Luther here, first-time visitors. And if I overlook somebody else, I apologize. I didn't uh, see anybody else. But anyhow, it's good to have everybody. I welcome our Facebook and live stream folks as well. And but Matthew chapter number 5 is where we're going to look. A very familiar uh, text that I've, I've preached through uh, Matthew chapter 5 several times. Um, of course, that is what is referred to often as the Sermon on the Mount. It's often referred to as the Beatitudes. And uh, we're going to look at a few things. One simple verse, what we're going to look at, and I may be back there tonight. I don't know that I'll finish this up today or not, but this is sort of where the Lord uh, has directed our heart for this hour and for today. And I sure hope it'll be a blessing. It may be more of a teachable moment today and maybe tonight than, than what normally is for Sunday morning. Most times just right back and let her, let her fly preaching. But there's a lot of things in here that I think we need to grasp and need to get a hold of. And I hope that it'll be an encouragement and a help to you. And a lot of times we'll see something, say, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. I've, I've read that many, many times. And sometimes it don't stick. And uh, sometimes it, 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 you, you read through something seven or eight times, it'll finally just stick. Sort of like eating certain things. They used, had that old saying, man, that'll stick to your ribs. We need, we need to have some things stick to our spiritual ribs, man. When we look at Matthew chapter number 5, there's a lot in here uh, that the Lord has to say. And I want you to take a look with me. Matthew chapter number 5, I want to begin reading in verse number 1. If you're able to, if you would stand with us in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. If you're unable to stand, you just remain seated where you are. We're going to read seven, I don't know, several verses here. And I'm going to be focusing in on one. I'll give you a little bit of background and we'll move on. But in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1... The Bible said, in seeing the multitudes, he, and that is none other than the Lord Jesus, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now let's pray. Fathers, we bow. God, in your presence, Lord, again this morning, sure do love you. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that's ministered in our heart. Lord, we got everything to give you thanks for. Lord, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for your word. I'm glad, Lord, that we can hear from heaven today. And I pray that you speak to every heart. Lord, help this feeble preacher to decrease that Jesus may be increased and lifted up. Lord, I'm a big fat zero. I'm nothing. Lord, I sure do need your help. I need your touch. They please help us today, Lord. If you don't, it'll be all in vain. I pray that you'd help that one that walked in here. Maybe listen today, never been saved, never been born again. I pray that today would be that hour. But I pray for the child of God that, Lord, they may not even realize they're walking a distance from you, but they probably are. Lord, I pray that you'd deal with that heart, convict them. Lord, show them the errors of the way, meet every need, and we'll be careful, Lord, to give you thanks and give you praise for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people see it. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We've read this text, several uh, verses here, 12 verses as a matter of fact, we've read down nine times, you'll find the word blessed. And seven of those uh, we're going to really focus in on here in just a minute, just hitting, just, just barely glazing over them to give you a little bit of foundation on the message. But when you think about this, it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, it, sometimes it's one of the most mis misunderstood messages that Jesus ever delivered for this reason. One group says, as you look at the Beatitudes, as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you've got a group of people say, well, you know what? If you follow what Jesus said, then that's your ticket to get to heaven. That is not the message of the hour. Keeping a set of rules and laws and regulations that will never get anybody, never has got anybody into heaven. It'll never get anybody into heaven. There's only one way to get into heaven. That's through and by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of misunderstandings about the sermons on the mount. A lot of folks, and we got folks in East Bend that teach that. Hey, if you follow these laws, if you follow, if you follow these beatitudes, the sermon on the mount, then God will allow you to get into heaven. But the only problem with that is that ain't what God said. 
But there's misconceptions that's misunderstood in a lot of different areas. There's another group that says, well, the message that's found in the Beatitudes, here the Sermon on the Mount, is a charter to world peace and begs the nations of all the earth to accept it and live by it. But that's not the case either. There's a third group that says that Matthew chapter number 5 has nothing to do with us today. It's for a future time. Well, I'm here to tell you Matthew chapter number 5 does apply to me. It does apply to you. It does apply unto the church age. But the main theme of Matthew chapter number 5 really is true righteousness. And again, true righteousness does not come by following a set rules or, or laws or regulations. The laws of God, according to the book of Galatians, was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. In other words, you study the Word of God. You look at Matthew chapter number 5. You go down through there and you look at all those things where I mess up and where you mess up. You know you're going to fall short. But thank God that's where grace steps in. That's where mercy steps in. And I'm glad true righteousness is not based on a set of laws. It's based on a relationship with a person, the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's where that true righteousness comes from. But it basically deals with this. The, the sermon here in Matthew chapter number 5 that Jesus lays out on the mountain basically reveals how a person who is in a right relationship with God should conduct his or her life. That's basically what it lays out. We read these blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. All of those, those first seven. When you look at those first seven blessed, think about that. that that's how a believer, that's how a child of God should behave. We don't behave that way to be saved. We behave that way because we are saved. Does that make sense? That's pretty much what he lays out here in this. And you know, I think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was grieved over his countrymen uh, because they went about trying to establish their own righteousness. There's a lot of folks today that have got this mentality. You know, preacher, if my good outweighs my bad, then God will let me in. Friend, you've been fooled. You've been deceived. Our good could never outweigh our bad. Man, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. On our best days, we come up short. Just read Isaiah 64, 6. That's basically what that says. But, oh, thank God. God will allow us entrance into heaven if we realize that we're sinners and we've called on the name of the Lord because it's crystal clear in Romans 10 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. That's the simplicity of the gospel. But Paul dealt with the religious elite. Jesus dealt with the religious elite that they thought man if we just follow these laws God will let us in. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 3 this is what Paul said concerning his Jewish brethren. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Again, what is the righteousness of God? That's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him, the Lord Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the key, being in Christ. But Paul dealt with that crowd that went around trying to establish their own rights. There's a lot of folks trying to do it today, even in our culture, in our area here in East Bend, North Carolina. But Paul found the righteousness of God in Christ. In Philippians 3 and verse number 9, this is what Paul said. He said, you know what? When, when everything's said and done, he said, and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, if we're saved by faith, then we are. If we have to be in Christ to go to heaven, and we do, what was the purpose of the sermon on the mount. God, God knew that we would struggle in these areas and in these departments. And we do need help. In order for us to be merciful. In order for us to be poor in spirit. In order for us to, to follow what he's laid out there. We've got to have the Holy Spirit living inside. We've, we've been preaching on the field in the last couple of weeks. Or, or at least mentioning, making reference to it out of Ephesians chapter number 5. To be filled with the spirit. But we need help in these departments. If I could preach on a, on a thought uh, this morning for a little while. It'd be on lessons that guide our living. 
lessons that guide our living. It doesn't matter how young you are, how, how old you are, we're all still a work in progress. Can I get a witness right there? Now, we're a work in progress. There's not a one of us that have arrived. And, man, I, I fall short every day. We've not reached that pinnacle where we can sit back again in our spiritual hammock and say, Whoo, I got it made now. I, I can't grow anymore. I can't get any close to the Lord. No, we're all a work in progress. And there's some lessons that will guide our living as New Testament believers. If you were to break this down, you could go down through these, these Beatitudes. There's nine that, that are mentioned in the verses that we read from verse 1 down to verse number 12. But the first seven basically deal with this. The first seven have a requirement and they have a reward. You say, well, now, what are you talking about, preacher? Get, get that. Those are sometimes, and a lot of times I'll use when I lay out messages, so they all start with the same letter, but there's a requirement to these first seven, and there's also a reward. For instance, notice verse 3. Notice what the Bible said. It said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The requirement is to be poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? That, not, that means not to be uh, lifted up and prideful, man. we got to be poor in spirit. There's a lot of folks I've met being rich in spirit. Can I get a witness right there? God said the requirement is this, this first beatitude, is to be poor in spirit. Well, what is the reward? Read on in verse number 3. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you got the requirement. Be poor in spirit, you got the reward, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What about the second one? Look at verse number 4. Blessed are they that mourn. There's the requirement. What does it mean to mourn? I believe it means to mourn over sin, to see sin as God sees sin. The requirement is to be is to mourn. Well, what's the reward? Look at verse 4. For they shall be comforted. But that crowd is high and lifted up and says, well, uh, you know, I can just do my own thing. I've got a, I've got a clenched fist in the face of God. I'll live my own life. I'll do my own thing, man. I'm telling you, you better see sin as God sees sin. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He died for that sin. But the requirement is to mourn. The reward, according to the Word of God, will be comforted. Look at verse 5. What's the reward there? Blessed are the meek. To be meek. Well, what's the reward? For they shall inherit the earth. What's the reward in verse 6? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. What's the reward? They shall be filled. Look at verse 7. What's the requirement? Blessed are the merciful. What's the reward? For they shall obtain mercy. You see the picture? Look at verse number 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. There's the requirement. They shall see God. That tells us if we got defilement, if we're not pure, you don't have a chance of seeing God. Amen. Now look at verse number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's a requirement. What's the reward? For they shall be called the children of God. All the way through as you go through this. I'm not really preached on that. I'm just giving you some things to filter through when you think about, hear about the requirements and the reward. If we follow what God has said, an act of obedience. God wants us to live a life of obedience unto Him after we're saved. You know, there's so much more than just being saved. Now listen, that's the most important thing. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you don't know Christ, you've never called on the name of the Lord, that's your greatest need. But it does not stop there. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18 tells us we're to grow the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants us to grow. Thank God for salvation, nothing better. But listen, every day, a day-by-day process of sanctification, getting closer and closer, being conformed to the image of His dear Son, according to Romans chapter number 8, as we develop and we mold and we get more mature in Christ. Listen, there's some areas in our lives that we need help on. Probably these seven that I've mentioned, some of us probably struggle in that department. Some of us probably are not as poor as in spirit as we should be. Some of us not as meek as we should be. Some of us not as much as peacemakers as we should be. Some of us not as pure in heart as we should be. You say, why aren't we pure in heart? Because the things that goes in to our ears and to our eyes and maybe even into our mouths, not as pure. But listen, we all need help in these areas and in these, in, in these places. I think about verse 3. There's four Really, areas that you could look at deals with the attitude, number one, toward ourself, then toward sin, then toward the Savior, then toward society. Again, you talk, you talk about verse uh, number three, being poor in spirit. That has to do with ourself. That's why Jesus talks about taking about that cross daily 
And that means when you think about a cross, cross has to do with something that is put to death. We have to die to ourselves in order for us to be poor in spirit. So I think he deals with self, then he deals with sin. I've already mentioned on that where he said, mourn, they that mourn. You want to be comforted, you got to see sin as God sees sin. But then the relationship and the attitude toward the Savior, you could look at uh, the meek, you could those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, those that are merciful, those that are pure in heart, they, those that are peacemakers. All that has to do with our relationship with the Savior. But then from verse number 10 down to verse number 16, it has to do with our attitude towards society. What do you mean, preacher? Well, notice, for instance, look at verse 10. And I'm still building some foundation here. Look at verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That deals with an individual, a believer, that deals with society. How are we to respond to them, Brother Harold? How do we deal with that crowd that persecutes us, that crowd that hates us? Well, Jesus tells us where to pray for them. And, boy, that's difficult to do. But look at verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Well, notice what he goes on to say in verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And then you go on down to verse 13, he talks about uh, salt. Then verse 14 through 16, he talks about light. All that has to do with our attitude toward society. So, I mean, there's a lot you could break down in the first 16 verses. What we deal with ourselves, we deal with sin, we deal with the Savior, and we deal with society. These seven things, that the first seven Beatitudes, the blessed, have to deal with a requirement and a reward. I think that we can see all of those. But there's one thing here that I really want to focus in on. And I, I've dealt with this. I don't know that I've preached this here. I can't remember. But in verse number 6. I know I never preached this exact message. Because there's a lot of new stuff here in it. But in verse number 6. It's a verse that most of us may have even learned. And learned to quote and, and memorize in vacation Bible school. Or maybe in Sunday school class years ago. But in verse number 6. The Bible said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now that word blessed is important. Nine times we see it in the first uh, ten verses. So we look at that, uh, verse 11 verses I should say, nine times. What does that word blessed mean? It is happy in the highest form of happiness, joy, and blessing that one can have. Now I don't know anybody that don't want to be happy. I mean, really, I may have hit that. I mean, there are some folks miserable all the time, but I would think, man, when I get up in the morning, I don't want to say, well, Lord, help me to be miserable today. Who wants to do that? We want to be happy. We want to be joyful. Well, we want to have a smile on our face. And, and well, preacher, how in the world can I have that happiness? How can I have that blessing that is, that's what he's referring to right here? Well, it's the happiness that has to do with the internal, not the external. You see, when you're right on the inside with God, now pay attention right here. When you're right with God on the inside, regardless of what happens on the external or on the outside, we can still have joy. We can still have happiness. We can still be a blessed people with a smile on our face. You say, when well, a preacher, how in the world can a child of God go through heartaches and sorrow and trouble and still retain a smile on their face? Hey, man, they ain't looking on the external. They ain't looking on the circumstances. They got a right relationship on the inside with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And friend, that is what makes all the difference in the world. If it's raining, you can still smile. If the sun's shining, you can still smile. If it's hot, you can smile. If it, or you can at least be happy deep down in your soul. And I do believe this. If you're happy on the inside, I believe it'll work its way out on the outside. Yeah, man. God's people ought to be the most vibrant. I mean the most joyful people there is in the world. Why is that? Man, this place ain't our home. You better not get your tent stakes dug down too down deep, deep down here because we're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. Jesus talked about mansions in John chapter number 4. That's where I'm going to. Man, we're pilgrims and strangers just, just passing through, and sometimes we get anchored down, and we get bogged down with the cares and the affairs of this world, and sometimes you lose your, your smile, you lose your joy, you lose your happiness, you lose your blessing. Well, listen, if you want to be blessed and happy, have the inward right with God, and regardless of what happens on the external, 
on, you can still be blessed deep down inside. Well, I want you to notice verse 6. He talks about hungering and thirsting after us. It has to do with our appetite. Now, boy, this, this is fitting, man. Just coming through Thanksgiving. I mean, I know there's a spread laid probably at most folks' house. I don't know. And man, I, we had, you know, I'm a, I'm a bean and tater preacher, and uh, I had beans. I didn't have any taters, but I had some be- pinto beans and, and some of that red streaked meat, son, and some cornbread. It wasn't no better. I didn't eat any turkey. I didn't eat no beef that I know of. But man, them pintos sure was good. But you know what? When I come to the table, I had an appetite for that and I fed upon that and it met the physical need of that hour but you know what I was hungry the next day I was hungry yesterday I was hungry this morning I still ain't eat but I'm gonna eat here before I'm still hungry right now but I'm gonna satisfy that appetite if the Lord tarries his coming and I leave and the Lord wills we leave here in a little while but it has to do with an appetite but as I mentioned on these seven the first seven there is a requirement And there's a reward. You break down that verse number 6. The Bible puts it this way. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. There is the requirement. Well, what's the reward, preacher? For they shall be filled. I want to break that down for just a few minutes on these lessons that guide our living. Again, you don't follow these Laws, you don't do these things to be saved. You do these things because you are saved, because you are a child of God. Now, there's not a one of us, probably, that's got any age on you at all. There's not many times when, when we come in, even into the, and it'll work here or wherever, where Mount Bethel, you can go to Turner's Creek, you can go to Northwood here at Faith. There's a lot of times when we come into the house of God, our mind's not right. Amen. Is that a true statement? Amen. I say it's a fact. Now you say, well, I try to clear everything out, but the reality is we think about a catch-all. We catch everything on the outside, and sometimes we come in, and we don't really have the right attitude. We don't have the, 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 the proper mindset and heart set when we come to the house of God because we come to the house of God it, it should be a spirit of worship worshiping God is spirit of truth as the choir sings and whether you got a congregation you got a special man you ought to be rejoicing in your heart not thinking about something outside of here Amen. but it's so easy to get caught up it's so easy to deal with things of that nature but we see there's a requirement in order for us to be filled we got to have an appetite I mean did you come looking to see uh, something from the Lord. Did you come today and say, Lord, please, please shine your light down on Lord, I need something from another world. Lord, Lord, touch that choir, touch the preacher, touch the Sunday school hour. Lord, I sure do need something. When you come with that mentality, man, it's hard to walk out of here or out of a service and not get nothing. But it has to do with that appetite. You sit down at the table. Now listen, I know some of y'all don't like creasy greens, you don't like collard greens, you don't like turnip greens, you, don't, you just give me all you got, man. As long as it's been seasoned with fat back meat or, or a ham hock and got plenty of salt on it, then I'll eat it. But there's some things I'm going to shy away from. Y'all can have all that Chinese you want, man. I mean, that's good. I, I mean, I go occasionally, and uh, I, I found out there's about one or two things that I'll eat that I know I like, Brother Ed. It's that like pepper jack steaks and, and maybe some rice. That's about it. Everything else on there, I don't know what it is. I don't know how people eat that old. And I like I like kraut. I like cooked cabbage. But whatever they put in that little roll, man, it don't taste like nothing I've ever eaten. I, I try a little bit of that stuff. But you know what? When I go in there, I'm not going to eat much because I don't have an appetite for that. Would you take me in where there's a fillet or, or beans and potatoes and, and, and my pizza? Christy said, amen right there. I mean, I could eat pizza 24-7. That's the same color as this shirt or coat, by the way. And uh, any pepperoni, I love that. And, uh, but, you know, it has to do with our appetite. Now, I say that, and some of you smile and some of you ain't, but I, I tried to, just so you can see these things, it has to do with our appetite. We, can, we think about our physical appetite, but the spiritual appetite it's, it's the same purpose. It's the same principle. What should be, when it comes to the requirement, what should be the focus of our desire? The Bible said there, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. That should be our focus. That should be where our appetite, 
Our hunger is to thirst. Our focus shouldn't be way over here somewhere. Or way over here. It should be righteousness when we come into the house of God. God, how can I be a better believer? God, how can I be a better Christian? How can I better serve you? God, how can, how can I be a tool in your tool belt and be a blessing and encouragement uh, to somebody else in this world and in this society in which I live? There should be a focus of the desire in its own righteousness. It shouldn't be a desire for fame or fortune or a place or position. Not a desire to please a fleshly appetite, but a spiritual appetite and a spiritual desire, a desire to be holy. You know, we as God's people ought to have a desire to be a holy people. Amen. Why is that? Well, listen to what God said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, he said to be holy in all manner of conversation. We, when we think about our English word conversation, we're thinking about just straight talk. But this conversation has to do with our talking, but it also has to do with our behavior. Amen. We ought to be holy. That should be the focus of our desire. You say, well, now, preacher, you've already said we're a work in progress. That's right. You say, well, preacher, I hadn't got to that point. But when you come to the house of God, when you open up the word of God daily and you worship him in spirit and in truth, there ought to be a hunger. There ought to be a focus of a desire and appetite. Lord, help me to grow in an area. Help me to develop. Help me to mature. There should be a focus of desire. He said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you should be filled. So we see the, the focus of the desire should be righteousness. But notice this, the fervency of this desire. This is still the requirement. You want to be blessed? Well, you got to hunger and thirst after righteousness. But the fervency of the desire is this. He said to hunger and thirst. Nothing will satisfy that hunger and thirst until it's met. Think about that physical appetite. You say, man, I'm working outside. I'm so thirsty. I got to get so You're not going to be satisfied until that need is met. Now, is that right? The same holds true. The fervency, you got a hunger, you got a thirst in order to meet that need. It, that feeling won't subside until you've met that need in your life. But here he's talking about that spiritual nourishment. He's talking about that spiritual food and water, thirsting after God, I think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 42 and verse 1. He said, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Do you have that proper thirst? Do you have that proper hunger? I think about this. I remember years ago, I could about tell you uh, who all played Brother Adrian on just about every major league baseball team. I, I, I could go through, and the same holds true for a lot of college, especially the Atlantic Coast Conference before they changed all this stuff. And now we got folks from the Pacific Coast that's joining the Atlantic Coast Conference. I still ain't figured that out, man. But there was a time where I used to, I could tell you everything about ball teams and different things, but I couldn't tell you much about the Bible, Brother Kevin. A lot of folks can tell, you know what, I, man, I, I do great in my job, and that's wonderful. I believe everybody ought to work. Even Paul said, man, don't work with his hands. He ought not eat. I get all that. You may good, be good at what you do, and that's great. But, man, make sure you focus on the spiritual side of things, the righteous side of things. Man, you got to have a hunger. you got to have a thirst. After that, there ought to be a fervency, and I believe that's what he's talking about, to have a hunger and a thirst. You know, you get hungry enough, you get thirsty enough, you're going to go get some physical food. Same holds true in the spiritual realm. When it comes to this requirement, the focus of this desire, we focus on righteousness. The fervency, we're to hunger and thirst at it, but notice the frequency. How often should we do that? Should we do it once a month? Should we do it once a year? Should we do it every, every six months? I mean, what is the frequency? I believe we ought to do it daily. I believe, that, I believe that's implied. I believe every principle that is laid out that I'll give you out of Matthew chapter 5, I believe it has to do with the frequency of every day. That hunger and thirst is in the curative present tense. It is a verb. Those are verbs that are used. And we may be filled for a little while, but very, very soon we will hunger and thirst again. We ought to have that continual desire. You know what? When you get sick, when you get sick physically, 
Sometimes the thing that will leave you first is your appetite. And we come through the when you had the COVID, a lot of us, and I don't remember ever losing my taste. I just lost my smell. And you couldn't smell. And, and But a lot of folks lost their smell. They lost their taste, lost a lot of things with that. And when you get sick, you get a cold, you get a flu, man, you don't even want to think about eating uh, when you're sick. But then once you start to rebound, man, you start to eat and, and you start to get some nourishment and you can get stronger. Well, the same sort of holds true when we are spiritually sick, man, we're weak. We've got to have that nourishment, and it starts with that driving. It's a frequency to, to, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. The righteousness is the focus. We understand the fervency. There's the hunger and the desire, but the frequency, we ought to do that every day. When you, I hope you've got some time. Listen, thank God for a public altar, a place where you can come together and pray, but thank God for a private altar where you can get along with God, and you can pray, and you can communicate to Him, and then He's going to communicate to you through his word spend some time in his hey there's some lessons that'll guide our living if we'll follow but that's the requirement the focus the frequency the fervency but what is the reward he said according to verse number six for they shall be filled what can i expect preacher if i hunger and i thirst after righteousness if if i'm serious about growing in the Lord, if I'm serious about reading my Bible, if I'm serious about praying, if I'm serious about getting involved in the church and, and, and doing whatever I can do for the cause of Christ, what can I expect? Well, there's a reward. He said, blessed are they, again, happy, joyful, regardless of the external, because inwardly you're going to be right with God. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, there's the requirement, for they shall be filled. There's the sureness of the reward. Notice what God said. He said, shall be filled. Now listen, God makes some promises. Thank God for the promises of the Lord. There's folks that may make you promises. We've seen politicians do it, and I'm sure I've let somebody down along the line. I don't intend to, but I'm a human being, and people let us down. But there's never been one time, never will be one time, when the Lord Jesus is ever going to let me down, ever going to let you down. He can't do it, by the way. He cannot let anybody down because it's not even in His nature. The sureness of the Lord, if you'll hunger, you'll thirst, you get the proper appetite for the things of God according to the Word of God, you shall be saved. That's a surety, and there's a sureness of the reward. In other words, we do our part in the hunger and thirst and department. He'll do his part in filling us. There's the sureness of the war, but there's also the size of the reward. We see, he said, you shall be filled. That field, this is not a cheap recompense, but an overflowing reward. And God rewards abundantly. We think about Joshua. And I think about Caleb and his life, Joshua 14, 14. The Bible said, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. That's a perfect uh, example, breakdown of what is stated here in the New Testament. Because Caleb wholly followed the Lord. What does that mean, man? That means that, that he hungered and he thirsted after righteousness and he got filled. He was given that land there in Hebron. Why? Because of the requirement that he had met. He hungered and he thirsted. He had the right focus. He had the right appetite. He had the right desire and God rewarded him and it wasn't just a, a little feeling, man. It was a feeling to overflowing abundance. That's what that word "feel" means right here in your Bible, Matthew chapter number five. It reminds me of the psalmist. We're well, we well, well, we understand Psalm twenty-three. We use that a lot at funerals, although it should be used any time because that is a blessed psalm. I think about the psalmist, what he said. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, the key to understanding that psalm is verse number 1. You've got to make sure that he is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down a green pasture. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the pasture of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort. Thou preparest, listen, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Listen now, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth what? Over, over. 
He don't fill us a quarter full and half full and three quarter or even full. He fills it to the point of overflowing. You see, if we, the, the problem's not on God's end. God wants to abundantly fill us. The problem's on our end. I'll say it one more time. If we'll do our part, God will do his part. Can I get a witness right there? That's the size of the reward. Most folks are not rewarded abundantly, and they're not filled because they don't meet the requirement. They're not hungry. They don't have the right appetite. And I'd say this, and, I've, and you know this is right. Did you know every one of us, including this preacher, every one of us today are as spiritual as we want to be? Everybody get that? As a believer, we're as close to God as we want to be. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. We're as close to God as we want to be. It has to do with that hunger. Has to do with that thirsty. There's a sureness of the war. There's a size of the war. But there's the satisfaction of the war. Also, when you think about that word "field," it has to it has to do with 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 the satisfaction. It's sort of like, all right, man. Let's go back to the physical realm. We can see this. We can picture this. You go and you sit down at Golden Corral or wherever you go, long or whatever, uh, the seafood restaurant. You go and you say, man, I really, I'm, I'm ready to eat this, brother. Ed. I, I'm so hungry. I'm thirsty. And you sit down. You eat that. Then. Then you plop down and say, man, where's the recliner at? After you eat all that stuff, and you eat your dessert, you get your pumpkin pie, you get your sweet potato pie. You say, man, give me the recliner. Let me sit Why? Because you feel to the point of overflowing, man, and you're satisfied. Physically, the same holds true. And the spiritual side, those times when you come in and, man, you get so full of God and God deals with your heart and, and maybe God squeezes your heart and maybe it, it comes out here somewhere around your eyeballs and, and you just get happy in the Lord when you think about the blessings that He's given to you and you come in, you had that appetite, you had that, hey, here's the good thing about God. Sometimes He knows how sorry we are. Sometimes we come in here and we didn't have the right attitude. We didn't have the right appetite. We didn't have the right desire. And God blesses us anyways. We come in here dragging the legs spiritually. And God gets hold to choir, gets hold to preacher, dials our number, and we get right back in tune with God. And boy, how good that is! So like an instrument, like a guitar, or a banjo that gets out of tune, it don't sound good. But man, when that thing gets back in tune, you got a perfect instrument, you got perfect harmony, and that's what'll happen between you and God when you get filled to the point of overflowing super abundantly, and you're satisfied. Boy, God can do that for every one of us today. You know, the world will never fully satisfy us. So think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 107, verse number 9. For he, being the Lord, for he satisfieth the longing soul. If you're longing, he can satisfy today. And filleth the hungry soul with goodness. But the world will never satisfy that spiritual hunger. Sort of like this, you say, well, man, I... You know what? I'm going to get a new car. I want a new truck. I want a new car. I want a new boat. Whatever it is. You say, man, I'm going to get that thing. And you get it. And it won't be long. The shine will go off of it. Am I telling it right? And you're satisfied for a while, but then before long, you go, you're going to have to go back. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get you another one because it's lost its luster. It's lost its shell. You've got to keep up with the Jones. No pun intended back there, brother. You want to keep up with the Jones family. And, and, and anyhow... It, it, the world never satisfies. Sort of like Snickers. That's their motto, ain't it? Snickers really satisfies. Well, it don't satisfy too much. It depends on, depends on your hunger. It depends on your appetite. But, man, when you come to the Lord, man, he satisfies to the point of overflowing. And he does it over and over and over and over again. How often does he do it, preacher? Every time we hunger. And every time we thirst, we got the proper desire, we got the proper uh, appetite. God will do it every time for every one of us. So Sister Savannah's coming. I want to just give you a couple things right here, and I'm, gonna, I'm closing with this. I thought about some, I just jotted down some things, application statements. Again, if we're not, if this preacher's not where he needs to be with the Lord, I can't blame anybody in here. I can't blame, I can't blame my family. I can only blame myself if I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. If I'm not to that point in my life as a believer, to where I'm filled to the point of overflowing, the problem is on my end, and I can't blame 
anybody else. And the same holds true for every individual in here. If you're not where you need to be, again, we're as close to God as we want to be. We're as spiritual as we want to be. It's up to us. It has to do with our hungering and our thirsting after God. And the second thing is, say, preacher, you know, I'm not really where I need to be. Sometimes we got to get out of the mud hole. we got to get out of the trash can. <laughs> it may be a bad analogy. To get to where God wants us to be. What goes in your ears? What goes in your eyes? What goes in your mouth? What, what defilement on the outside is keeping you from, from growing and nurturing in the Lord? You need to separate from some of that stuff. Those things that are pulling you down and pulling you away. You've got to surround yourself with the right people. We've given this illustration numerous times. You've heard it preached many, many times. But friends are like an elevator. They'll take you up or they'll take you down. And that's a reality. Amen. Surround yourself with the right people. Amen. Remove yourself from unrighteous people. And listen, the bottom line is you hunger and thirst after God. You get the right appetite. You prove him. And you see if he won't fill you to the point of overflowing. Don't you want to be blessed? I think I said early on, I don't know anybody that really wants to get up in the morning and say, All right, Lord, help me to be miserable today. No. We want to be blessed. That word blessed has to do with happy, joy. To have that regardless of outward circumstances because things are right. On the inside, there's some lessons, all that will guide our living. But a lot of times we're satisfied the way we are, but is God satisfied with you and where you are? How's your hunger? How's your desire? How's your appetite? There's something missing? Is there a void? Is there a link that's missing in your life? Hey, the good news is this. Thank God there's room right here around the altar. You can get back in tune. Maybe your instrument is out of tune a little bit. You, you, it's been a long time, maybe since you've been blessed and happy in the Lord. Boy, today would be a good time to get back in tune with the Lord. But it starts with our appetite. We do our part, God will do His. He'll fill you up today as we stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I sure do love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Lord, expound upon the truth of your word. God, one more time, Lord, I pray that it's made sense. I pray that it's fell on good fertile ground and good fertile soil. I pray for that individual today that may be lost, never been born again. I pray, God, you'd save them. Lord, there's so many things you teach us here in Matthew chapter number 5. Lord, I struggle in these areas. Lord, I don't always have the right attitude. I don't always have the right appetite and the right desire. God, help me. Lord, I know that you desire to fill me and to fill us all to the point of overflowing. I know that you'll feel the satisfaction. God, help that one today that may be a little bit out of tune. I pray that they'd hear from heaven today and we'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat-and-meet service, after our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sin Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.